great truth there that no matter who you are, Jesus wants to save you. It doesn't, uh, you don't get to bring, you are not able to bring him something that would make you worthy of his eternal life. That's why Romans 6.23 says that salvation is, uh, or Ephesians 2.8 says that salvation is a gift. Romans 6.23 says it too. It says that salvation is a gift. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but only according to God's mercy that we can be saved. And I uh, hope if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that you will before this day is out. Um, uh, grab, if you would, out on the table out there. There are prayer cards out there. Please take one with you. And uh, it's got a little picture of our family on it. And uh, so, uh, and lots of things that you can pray for for us. I don't know if maybe you've picked up missionary cards before and you just think, oh, you know, uh, and you're sitting down to pray for them. You say, well, uh, Lord bless the missionaries. You know, uh, I don't know what to pray for. Well, we actually have, I put on there a prayer request for every day of, uh, in the month. Uh, so that uh, if you want something specific to pray for, there's lots of specifics there that you can pray for that, um, that are, really are important to us or really thought through these different things, different things I want you to pray for for us. And then, um, and then also, by the way, we do send out a monthly email, let you know what we're doing, where we are in the ministry. Uh, my email address is on there. If you send me an email, uh, I will certainly add you to uh, the list of people that I send our uh, monthly email out to. Uh, it has pictures in it. Uh, which may be significant for you because my wife is pregnant. Uh, we're, she, oh my goodness, she keeps telling me every Sunday, she tells me what, her not, what week she's on now, and now we're into the 30s, and so that's stressing me out. And we've got, so that's uh, baby number two is, is on the way, and uh, he, it's a boy, and uh, we have one son already. He just turned two, and uh, we, had a, we had ourselves a fun little birthday party couple, um, it'll be last week, yeah, last week. And uh, so that's, that's kind of us. That was my wife here. And then we have our first son is Samuel. And the next boy is on the way. So pray for us. Um, I'm going to be preaching kind of like this weekend. I'll be preaching next weekend at a church in South Carolina. And then we will head home. And uh, we'll be there. And uh, we're going to, just like you, we're going to decorate for Christmas. And unlike maybe some of you already have the decorations out. You know, there's some of you. Okay, yeah. I'll do that. Some of you say, oh, the abomination. You know, I'm kind of there, you know, I'm more, more along with the abomination people than the, uh, uh, than the uh, oh, do it, you know, it's August, why not, you know? Um, but, you know, I don't know, I think there should be, there's definitely a grace period this year for, uh, if you need your Christmas decorations out, uh, we have had quite a year. So if that'll uh, add some, uh, some squishy feelings a little early, it is totally okay, I guess, to have it out a few days early, but yeah, you August people, I don't know. Um, anyway, so turn your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we will be this morning. Now relax, I'm no spy, okay? How many of you uh, have uh, planned to go somewhere for Thanksgiving? Okay, how many of you have got a place you're going? Okay, how many of you are having family in for Thanksgiving? All right, more of it, yeah, good, good. How many of you say, I'm not, not really going anywhere, much of anywhere this year? Okay, I understand that too. That's okay. And there's probably about uh, a third on each one. So um, we're going to be seeing um, my wife's family in East Tennessee. Uh, we should get there um, tomorrow, Lord willing, and we'll spend a few days with them uh, there and uh, enjoy some things there and then uh, go to South Carolina for another, for another Sunday of services and then uh, head, on down to, uh, head on down to our home uh, in Alabama is where uh, we call home and uh, we're thankful for our home church. We miss them. Uh, this is actually the longest stretch we've ever been away from Alabama. We've done, um, I think September was the last time we saw our church family. 
So uh, we're looking forward to being there. Of course, Hannah's looking forward to uh, uh, being able to be present for some doctor's appointments. We some, you know, traveling on the road, it's hard to get back for doctor's appointments. So we've had to make some big loops and come back. Or uh, uh, one, we were able to do the doctor appointment virtually. So that was, that was different, but uh, it worked out. So, um, so we're looking forward to uh, being home, kind of like you are as well. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, and let's look at just one verse this morning. I bring up Thanksgiving because public service announcement, if you didn't know it yet, that's this week, okay? So, uh, so yeah, so Thanksgiving is coming up very quickly on Thursday, and uh, I hope that you are looking forward to it. I don't know, I'm starting to enjoy Thanksgiving just a little bit more in these last couple of, uh, last couple of years. Let's, um, let's look at uh, verse number 20, a simple, simple verse for the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. People, that verse ain't deep. And so we're going to take ourselves some, uh, some simple lessons this morning about thanksgiving for real Christian living. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. Lord, thank you for um, the blessing of having your word here in front of us. Thank you that we can have our Bibles in front of us. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would, um, would you bless just as we look into your word. Holy Spirit, would you give us your presence and would you just illuminate these scriptures and convict where there needs to be conviction this morning and bring comfort where there needs to be comfort this morning and just open our eyes uh, to the truth of what you made sure is recorded and will not pass away uh, for all eternity. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So after World War II until uh, the year 19, let me get it right, 1973, there was a World War II pilot by the name of Eddie Rickenbacker. You ever heard of that guy before? Eddie Rickenbacker uh, would, from the end of World War II all the way until his death in 1973, you could find Eddie Rickenbacker on a certain place every Friday night. You know, oh, was he a partier? No, he wasn't a partier. Every Friday night, you could find Eddie Rickenbacker with a large bucket of shrimp on the beach on eastern Florida walking up and down the beach and one thing that he would do is that he would take the shrimp throwing it out into the air or onto the ground and he was feeding the seagulls now most of us we see a seagull and we think wow what an annoyance you know you're you're they're usually the ones you know they're around the coast or if you're uh you know a little bit farther inland that they're the ones that are hovering around mcdonald's picking up all the trash that's off the ground we don't care much for seagulls but um eddie rickenbacker had a very specific reason why for years he would, he would walk the beach and feeding the seagulls, and it was because back in 1942, Eddie Rickenbacker was given the job, a very important job, of flying a message out to Papua New Guinea to General Douglas MacArthur. That was his job. He was on board a B-17, and uh, his B-17 got outside of um, radio contact, and it was there that he began to run dangerously low on fuel Eventually realized, look, there's no hope. Might as well land this thing as safely as I can while I still have fuel. And so with barely anything in the tank, he lands his plane onto the ocean. Along, and he's there along with several men, in, in, uh, several men inside of his, crew, uh, of his crew. And so for nearly a month, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker and his companions would have to fight 
to survive. They had several rafts that they were able to, um, you know, of course, get out. They were for emergencies just like this. And, you know, a few provisions, but, you know, it ain't so easy being out there on the water. They had to fight, you know, the rafts are not very big, and so they're having to fight uh, the waves that are coming through. They're having to fight the weather and the elements that are coming that are coming through. And uh, Eddie Rickenbacker said that their, that they, uh, their craft was not as big, their, their life craft that they have was not as big as the largest shark that they saw swimming by. He said on multiple occasions, the sharks were ramming their rafts, I guess trying to get whatever was inside to go into the water so that the sharks could have lunch. Day after day, they were fighting this, and on the eighth day of being out sitting on the waters, uh, day eight of about 30, um, one of the other men, Captain, uh, Captain Cherry, he read a little portion, I guess he had been able to save a book, a little portion of, I guess you could say, a sermonette. Reads this little sermon, sermonette, out of a book. They have a prayer and a little, and they sing a little hymn. And then, uh, you know, there was kind of a worship service that they had that day and then prayed a prayer again for deliverance. Um, later on, it, they, he, uh, Captain Eddie said that it wasn't very long. You know, the conversation, they talked a little bit, but it eventually wore off because of the oppressive heat. And Eddie Rickenbacker said, I slid down kind of in the raft and pulled my hat down over my eyes to kind of cover up from the glare of the oppressive sun uh, that was there. And he said, as I was kind of just dozing, you know, not really sleeping per se, just kind of dozing a little bit, he said, something landed on my head. And he said, I don't know how I knew, but I knew it was a seagull. And he said, I kind of peered out from, you know, that little crack from, you know, he's laying down. He peered out that little crack of um, space between his hat and, you know, what he could see. And he could see all the men in his, in his life craft, frozen solid, not moving, staring at his hat. And because, real simple thing, is he knew if I can catch this seagull, that's food. And so he, um, he reached up fast as he could, grabbed it, got a hold of that thing. They killed that bird. And uh, sorry if you, don't, if you love uh, nature, too bad on this one. They killed that bird, and uh, they, he said, we ate the flesh. He said, we took the intestines out, used them as bait, and we were able to start to catch some fish. So we were able to stay, stay sustained that way. And he said we were able to, you know, once we caught that seagull, morale kind of improved. Of course, now we're able to eat a little bit. And then, you know, using the intestines, we're starting to catch some fish. So this is good. And they survived all the way through 30 days of floating out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And Eddie never forgot about that seagull that really, you could say, uh, very uncharacteristically far away from land and you know the seagull probably finally sees something that it could land on comes down and land but it really was God's provision for Eddie Rickenbacker out there and the men that he had out there on these life crafts and Eddie never forgot because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch of beach along the eastern Florida seacoast you could see the old man walking his bucket filled with shrimp to feed the seagulls to remember that one that landed on his head. And really, uh, Eddie Rickenbacker had a great, can we say, the, you know, as they like to say, the attitude of gratitude had it towards seagulls. Now, I wonder, you know, it does say they had at least a formal kind of, you know, prayer in him. You know, he talked, though, at least the story talked much about the seagull. And, um, and I, again, this was just the, the part of the story that I read. Maybe he gave credit to God, but I didn't see a whole lot of giving credit to God. Maybe he did later on. 
But you know, I thought, you know, if a man can be that thankful to a seagull, especially to seagulls who had nothing to do with that one that landed on his head, if a man can be that thankful to seagulls for, you know, really one of them kind of sacrificing himself, you know, can we not be much more thankful people to a God who takes care of us? You know, I found it interesting. In first, or Second Timothy chapter 3, talks about the last days and what people are going to be like in the last days. And oftentimes, you know, we look at the, um, we look at sin around us and we see, you know, sometimes some very graphic examples of sin in the society and culture around us. And so, you know, we say, oh, these are things that God said would be in the last days. You know, things such as Second Timothy 3 says that men in the last days will be lovers of, them own, of their own selves. They'll be covetous. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of, of good people, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure. You know what's stuck in the middle of that list? You know what it says that the people in the last days will also be? They will be unthankful. You know what's in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Normally we like to focus on, oh, you know, these people in the last days are just going to be so horrible, they're going to be without natural affection, they're going to be all these kinds of things. You know, God also throws into that list, he says, you know what is going to be really bad about men in the last days? They're going to be unthankful. You know, in Romans chapter 1, Romans 1 tells us about, uh, about the reprobate mind. Basically tells us about the condition of people who knew God, who knew that God was out there, knew that they needed to submit to him and accept him as their savior, yet they rejected God and pushed him away. Romans 1.21 says, and, and uh, Romans 1.21 says, that, uh, you know what, I can't even, uh, I'm having trouble quoting it right now. Let me turn over there real quick and look at Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became, and neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You know what God says, one of the characteristics of people who absolutely, absolutely reject and push God away is? You know what one of the characteristics is? They're not thankful. So you know something, can I put a little phrase out there that maybe could stick with us this week, is that godly people are thankful people. Let me, let me start, let me, what we'll do a few times throughout the service is I'm going to say the first part of the phrase, I want you to say the second half, okay? So I'll say godly people are, and I want you to finish it by saying thankful people. So let's try. Godly people are, that was really good, one more time. Godly people are. Because, folks, if the reprobates of Romans 1 and the evil men of the last days in 2 Timothy 3 are going to be unthankful, I feel like Christians ought to be. I think so. Well, obviously, because the Bible commands it. All right, so let's look at several things, just a few things this morning about how godly people are thankful people. First of all, I want you to see the virtue of thankfulness. Verse number 20 says, giving thanks. Now the verb there, where and obviously it is a command from God, God commands us to give thanks. You know, you think about the different commands that are in the scriptures. Uh, we're very quick to, you know, quick to say, well, you know, God says do not lie. That is a command. God says do not steal. That is a command. God says love your neighbor. That is a command. God says be thankful. That is a command. You know, oftentimes we kind of put that one down kind of in the category, you know, a little low on the categories because we, we as humans like to categorize sin and say, you want to talk about a bad sin. Oh, lying, stealing, cheating, killing. Those are some pretty bad things. God's, you know, when it comes to sin, sin is sin in God's eyes. 
And he says that having an unthankful spirit is sin. Which means that if you want to please the Lord, that means that godly people are, oh, we caught it, okay. Godly, that means that godly people are thankful people. And so the verb here, give thanks, is actually, it's a really interesting, it's a Greek word, and the Greek word is, just kind of listen to this for a second, okay? The Greek word is, and I'm not, I'm no Greek scholar, but this is generally how it's pronounced, eucharisteo, ooh, big word. You know what's right in the middle of it is the word charis. Anyone knows, does anyone know, have a friend, maybe a daughter or relative that's uh, named charis? Anyone, you know, might know someone named Karis? Yeah, that's actually a Greek word, and it means grace. Grace. That's a, you know, it's a beautiful name. And, um, and so that word charis, grace, is stuck right in the middle of the Greek word that means give thanks. Because you know what, it, what God is saying here is that when you say thank you, you are ministering grace to someone else. You are ministering grace. You know, uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what's supposed to come out of your mouth? That which is good to the use of edifying. He says, I want you to build people up with your words. Why? So that they may minister grace. There's that word charis again. That they may minister grace unto the hearers. In other words, God is saying that when you say thank you to someone else, that is a way that you can minister grace to another human being. Some people want to say, oh, well, you know, uh, I don't want to take any of the glory away from God, so I only say praise the Lord whenever someone says something. You know, folks, I understand where you're going with that, but realize this, is that when someone does something for you, when someone uh, compliments you, when someone does, a, does an act of kindness for you, one of the ways that you can minister grace to that fellow believer is to simply say with a real, with a real tone in your voice, thank you. Because saying thank you is a way uh, with a genuine heart is a way that we minister grace to other people. Uh, Hebrews 13 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So not only should we, you know, we say thanks to other people, but we also ought to, of course, say thanks to God. You know, you ever thought, what, what can I give back to God that would be worthy of a holy infinite, eternal God. What could I give back? Well, he says, well, you know, one of the ways you can be a gracious person is just simply say thank you. Because godly people are thankful people. Godly people are thankful people. Uh, uh, Psalm 50 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 100 verse 4, what do the kids sing? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, uh, just this very command, giving thanks, it just reminds me so much of you know, Luke 17, those ten lepers. Ten lepers, ten had the disease of leprosy, and uh, Jesus heals all of them. How many came back to say thank you? One. And who was it? It was a Samaritan. Nine of those, leper, nine, nine of those lepers were Jews. One was a Samaritan. Do you know that those, those Jews would have looked down on that Samaritan, maybe, uh, you know, Maybe because he, uh, uh, you know, especially because he just wasn't, you know, the same nationality. Jews thought of themselves really a lot higher than they ought to think. But, um, you know, it's amazing. All those Jews were healed too, but they did not come back and say thank you. You know, Jews, and this was very, very um, common, in, especially in those times, Jews felt very 
and title. Jews felt like they were owed things. Jews felt like they deserved certain things. And I wonder if that might not have been the reason why when Jesus heals 10 of them, the Samaritan who feels, you know, wow, I am so unworthy, uh, you know, comes back and says thank you to Jesus. But nine Jews who may have felt themselves entitled to heal, uh, entitled maybe even to healing, would not say thank you. But folks, when someone is thankful, for one thing, it's a way that we minister grace to other humans around us. It's a way we kind of, you could say, minister grace to God we give God something that is worth giving back because when you're a thankful Christian you are showing that you are controlled by the Holy Spirit you know up in verse number 18 we have kind of the maybe famous verse where it says be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but what be filled with the Holy Spirit you notice at the end of it that there's uh, there's not a period you know, at the end of verse 18, there's no period. There's, a, uh, there's a, a semicolon. Then at the end of verse 19, there's a semicolon. Then at the end of verse 20, there's a semicolon. Then at the end of verse 21, we have a period. Why is that? Because I think one of the things the Apostle Paul is doing in Ephesians 5 is he's saying, you want to know if you're filled with the Spirit? You want to know if you're under the control of God? You'll be thankful. You'll say thank you. Because godly people are thankful people so that's the virtue of thanks of thankfulness now let's look then at the constancy of thankfulness notice verse 20 it says giving thanks what always how often are we to minister grace to others how often are we to say thank you he says do it always which means this thankfulness is not a feeling you know do we not sometimes have to do things when we don't feel like doing it you know, what if you in the morning, tomorrow morning, you said, do you know what, people? You know, I just want everyone to know this. You know what? I do not feel like going into work. Join the rest of us. I mean, what person in their, their really right mind on Monday says, woohoo, work. You know, normally we don't do that. Maybe you have a great job. You know, I worked in some grocery stores, and they were fine. The Lord really provided with them. But, I, you know, I didn't go, oh, yay, yay, work, you know. Uh, no, no one does. I, well, maybe someone does that. I feel like most normal people don't do that. Um, and so, what, so your feelings are not there. You don't feel like doing what you ought to do. But what do you do? Well, you do what you ought to do. You get up get out the door, and you go to work. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, even if you don't feel like doing it. You know, the same thing with Thanksgiving is he says, you are to do it always, even if you don't feel like it. You know, I think about, you know, the uh, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, the church at Corinth. You know, the church at Corinth, especially if you read First Corinthians, that church had issues. I mean, they were, I mean, they, they had a man in there, what was it? He was married to his step stepmother, was it, or being immoral with his stepmother, or something like that. It was bizarre immorality, and all the people at church were like, you know, we are just such great Christians because we don't judge them. We don't judge them. We are just such spiritual people. I'm just, you want to be like us. And and Paul said, this is awful. And you know, it was you know, this was the church he planted, and it must have frustrated him. And it wasn't just that. I mean, they were suing each other. Read chapter eight. They were, they were doing lawsuits against each other. Chapter 7, their marriages were just falling apart. They were misusing spiritual gifts. They didn't love each other. Ugh! Do you think you'd be frustrated if you had planted a church, come back and find all that mess inside of it? And, then, and you know what he says, though? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf. In other words, Paul says, I'm thankful for you all. You know, I bet Paul didn't always feel like saying thank you for the church at Corinth. 
but you know he did. What he ought to be doing, he obeyed God. 1 Thessalonians 5, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thankfulness is to be all the time. Thankfulness has no season. People, crops have a season, a certain time when we're supposed to bring in crops. There is no season on saying thank you to other people or on saying thank you to God. We don't get to pick the time period. Well, you know, we don't get to say, well, this is a time period where God is giving me stuff I like. Therefore, I say thank you. No, we're to say thanks always. You know, there is no, uh, there is no season to it. You know, there's a season to crops. There's a season to sports. Ask my wife. I, I love football. Football is like a science now to me. I just enjoy it. This Thursday, oh my goodness, I'm so excited because uh, it's my one chance a year I get to play football with a bunch of other guys at a church near where my in-laws are. And I'm so excited about it. I love, love, love. I enjoy the sport of football. I understand there's some things going on. But uh, uh, you know, I just enjoy the sport of football. Uh, guess what? That has a season. Starts in, um, well, preseason. Uh, starts in August and it's over by the beginning of February. And then... Oh, man, you know, I'm used to, you know, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, all those days have four out of seven days have a football game on TV. Not anymore, you know, it's just kind of, you know, it ends, you know, but Thanksgiving, oftentimes, again, when we say thank you, we, we take it and we set it on a specific time period. We say, this is when I give thanks. But Thanksgiving has no season, even though sports, hunting, Christmas has a season for you people who are like, oh, it's August. <laughs> you know? Get out the music, you know. Um, thankfulness has no season. Here's number three. Look at the, at the verse. We, now we can see the objects of thanksgiving. What do we give thanks for? Giving thanks always for what? All things. Brother Matt, what's included in all things? <laughs> all things. Boy, this is, the, this is, uh, this is the, the sermon point that never ends, you know. Boy, we could just go on and on with what we're thankful for. Can we not say we're thankful for our salvation? That God would be kind enough to deliver sinners like you and me from the penalty of hell that we so much deserve. Can we not make sure we say thank you to God for that? By the way, I'll tell you what, the greatest thing you can ever, you can ever know, greatest thing you could ever say thank you to God for is not uh, that you had a good day and that you have good health. The greatest thing you could say thank you to God is, is if you know that you have asked God to forgive you of all your sins and that you know that you have eternal life. Folks, there, it is a wonderful thing to be able to give thanks knowing that God has saved you. If you don't know that Jesus has saved you from your sins, you need to before this day is over, before this week is out, because we don't know when we're going to pass into eternity. Boy, I'm thankful that God has saved us from our sins. We've got so much to be thankful for. We can be thankful for our freedoms. You know, we, uh, obviously there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now. Can I tell you something, though, friend? We have it easy, and we have it good. We have it really good. Can we not say thank you to God for a precious nation that was founded on biblical principles where men were influenced by the first great awakening and said we have got to include God in the founding of our nation. Listen, I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, trying to find America in, in the multiple verses in the Bible. But I will say this. You realize that there's only two nations that ever existed that founded, started their founding on the Bible, Israel, the United States. Not that that makes us better than other people. That makes us say, thank you, Lord. 
that God would give us these kinds of freedoms? Can we not say thank you to God for the, uh, the, the abilities he's given us? You know, you're able to play an instrument here. You're able, you know, God's given the, you that ability. You know, we're able to, uh, for, I'd say for probably most of us, as far as I can tell in this room, you can see, you can hear, you can taste, unless you have COVID. You know, you can taste. Uh, you can enjoy these different things. God is, can we not say thank you to God? Because, you know, all of a sudden, uh, it's when our taste is maybe taken away, when all of a sudden we realize, you know, Lord, I'm thankful I'm able to taste my food. You know what, speaking of that, can we not say thank you to God for our food and what he's given us? We, we Americans, we are so fat. And, and by that, I mean we are blessed. I'm not criticizing anyone here this morning. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we are blessed. You know, you think about other nations. I wrote these down. You know, do you know what the staple food is in the, in the nation of Congo? Caterpillars, crickets, and grasshoppers. You know what the main staple of food is in the Central African Republic? Nuts and insects. In the nation of Niger, grains like millet. In the nation of Malawi, maize like corn. If you're in Asia, it's rice, 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 rice. And if you're in North Korea, you know what the main staple food is in North Korea? Thin soup and crackers. That's what probably most families will have for Thanksgiving while we are stuffing our faces. Can we not make sure we say thank you to God for what he has given us? Uh, we can say thank you to God for church, for our church family, and for the people that are around us. Now, let me just say this, too, because this is a question that would, uh, you know, you would think would come up. He says, giving thanks always for all things. So some might say, so... Am I supposed to say, and I'm not, I am not being funny, I am not being silly, and I am not being, um, I'm not making light of these things. Am I supposed to say, Lord, thank you so much that my spouse cheated on me? Am I supposed to say, Lord, thank you so much that my granddaughter was abused? What, what does God expect from me in something like that? What does God expect from me? Okay, now I don't think, I don't think that the character of God is such that God would say, I want you to say thank you, thank goodness that sin is happening. I don't think God is expecting you to say, thank you, oh Lord, thank you that sin is happening all around me. This is great. No, God is not going to ask you to say thank you for something that he abominates. But you know what he is saying to say thank you for is say thank you that God is still God. God, I don't know why this has to go on. Lord, I don't get this hurts. Lord, I'm going to say thank you that you are in control, that you have an end goal, and you're going to bring this out. You know, um, uh, Corey Ten, you know, I can't get into it now. Corey Ten Boom, does that name ring a bell to anybody? Right here, okay. Yeah, Corey Ten Boom was a woman who was, um, you know, uh, she rescued Jews over in Holland and was taken to the concentration camps during World War II. You know, one of the things that her sister told her to do was to, you know, one of the camps they were in had, was just infested with lice. You've probably heard this story before, and was infested with lice, and, uh, and so her sister told her, Corey, we need to say, thank the Lord for the lice. Well, it wasn't exactly like saying, oh, well, I'm so glad, you know, we got lice biting us. The idea of the thankfulness was, thank you, God, that you were somehow in control of this. You know what ended up happening was because of the lice, the guards didn't really want to come in there very often, so they were able to have plenty of time of worship and prayer time and worship to God where they could share the gospel with other people. And they realized, wow, Lord, thank you for the lice. It's keeping the guards out. 
you know, God might have a plan. Even though you may not necessarily say, okay, this, this thing that just happened is wonderful. What we're seeing is that we need to be thankful for what God is doing. Because, here's the final thing this morning, is the recipient of our thankfulness. Who is the recipient of our thankfulness? Giving thanks always for all things unto God. Unto God. Ephesians 4, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know that no matter what God has allowed to happen in your life, he has a plan. You know what we ought to be thankful for is that God has a plan and an end goal for everything that is dropped into our lives. Because, you know, in no, in no way would God expect us to say, woohoo, I was sinned against. I love sin. I'm so thankful someone sinned against me. I don't think God's expecting us to say thank you for that. But I think God is expecting us to say thank you to God that you are God. And that you see all things and that you know all things. You know, just over in, in, Psalm, in Psalm 11, yeah, basically it says, you know, that, that David brings out that people are attacking him. People are seeking his life. And he says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And he comforts himself in the very next verse and says, you know what the righteous can do is we can trust that God sees all. And that God is on the throne. And that God is in control. And that is a precious thing that we can say, thank you, God. I know that whatever you are giving me has a plan. You know how many teenagers in camps and youth rallies and such I've been able to encourage because of my own difficulties in life and struggles with bitterness? You know, that was no fun those three years where it really was really my choice, but uh, the bitterness. It was not easy being at home. It was hard. But you know how many people have been able to minister to because I can say, I've been where it hurts. Sometimes it's hard in the midst of the hurt to say, God, thank you that this is going to have a purpose and a plan somewhere. You know, think about um, a friend of mine, his dad, he's now passed away, he's in the Marines. Maybe you've had a story like this, real simple. He said, I, you know, he was excited his uh, unit was going out, and he got, got bad sick, and he was just frustrated and upset by it, you know, because he got bad sick. His boat went out. That boat was blown up. He would have been on board. But God spared his life. You know, in the midst of a sickness, why would we say, oh, thank you that you are doing something in the midst of this awful sickness? Maybe God has a plan. And so he says, give thanks for all, always, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we cry out, you know, we think, how can God be good? He's allowed this. He's given me this. Folks, what we have to do is trust God that he has an end goal, he has an end plan, and he's actually doing what he's doing for your good and give thanks and give thanks anyway, give thanks that God is moving in the circumstances that we think are, is so rotten for the future will, alone will tell us how good he is. God does not say give thanks once you see the end game. You know, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat goes to battle and God, uh, to make a long story short, God has revealed that they are going to win the battle, but he doesn't start praising God after the battle is won. He praises God before the battle is won. He thanks God before the battle was ever over because he knew I can trust God. Because when we're thankful, we're saying really that we're content with Christ 
and with his provision. You know, think about the book of Ephesians. Here's Paul writing, writing from prison. You know, prison was not a, was not a happy place. Not that prison today is either. You know, uh, because prison back then, you've got to realize this, is that, um, you know, in prison back in these days, now he was sometimes he was under house arrest, which was probably a lot more comfortable than uh, the regular prison. But if you were in prison, you were locked up. And if you wanted stuff, people had to bring it to you. If, you. if it was cold, your family had to bring you a cloak or else you froze to death. The prison didn't provide it. If you were in prison, your family brought you food or else you starved. Your family brought you water or else you dehydrated. You know, you think about it, you know, you do realize that when you're um, shackled in chains, a bunch of, you know, a few guards and a bunch of prisoners, not trying to be gross, but you do realize that they don't care if you need to use the restroom. And they'll, they'll, you know, they don't care for days. You can imagine what life was like when you can't move and you're chained and they don't worry about bathroom breaks. You know, um, he said in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, I don't know. Basically, Paul is saying, I don't know why I'm here, but he says, I know that it is working out through the furtherance of the gospel. You know, one of the things we got because Paul went to prison, we get some inspired scriptures. Some of these inspired scriptures were written while he was in prison. You know, we don't know what the end game is, but God says, listen, you give thanks anyway, always. Don't wait until you feel like it, but just do it anyway, because it's, a, it's something we're supposed to say is, Lord, thank you that somehow you're going to work this together. I don't like the rotten circumstances. I don't like how I've been sinned against, but Lord, I'm going to say thank you that you've got a plan. Give thanks always for all things unto God. Because... Godly people are thankful people. And folks, if we have, uh, there is no thanks, thankfulness in our lives, we need to confess that as sin to God. Because ungodly people are not thankful. Godly people are to be. It's a command from God. Are you saying thank you in the midst of even your rotten circumstances? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for oh, letting us gather. Goodness gracious, we uh, we don't always know when we can even gather. That can be taken away. And Lord, we say thank you for it. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you for salvation. And um, thank you that you know what's best. Lord, would you give us the strength we need to trust you in these times. Whether that be national stuff or just our own personal things that very few hear about. Pray that you would help us to trust you with our lives.